You're listening to Irish Radio Canada's Home and Abroad, and this week we want to catch up on some of the progress that's been made in Toronto uh, with the Canada Ireland Foundation and the groundbreaking ceremony, literally groundbreaking in every respect ceremony, that took place a little earlier uh, last month. And I have Will Pete here with me. Will, welcome back. Delighted to have you with me, and I know you have some big news for us. Thanks, Austin. Uh, yeah, great to be back on, as always, and talk to you about uh, what's going on. Uh, but yes, we recently had uh, a groundbreaking ceremony. Uh, for for clarity, it is a uh, it's a project that the city is doing, but that we're intimately involved in, and so our chair and founder, uh, Robert Kearns, was involved in that. Um, I, I would hope your listeners would be well aware of the Corlick at this point, which is our own uh, building that we're building on Erin Key there. Uh, but there is an entire other project that has been going on uh, in conjunction with that, uh, which is going to be called Bathurst Key Common, uh, which is a major new public realm space in the downtown core of Toronto. It's it's kind of, they're calling them three rooms, which I think is a good way to kind of imagine it. So the first room uh, is just south of the Corlick, and that's what they're describing as a hardscape beach. So it's a mixture of planting, of trees, of shrubbery, but then also of the step-down benches that you can sit on, relax and enjoy, and that that uh, leads right onto the waterfront and the dock wall that the city had previously uh, fixed. Uh, the next room is just uh, between Ireland Park and the Corlick, so directly east of the building, and that will be uh, another kind of rest area. There'll be benches and tables and all of that so people can enjoy the waterfront and have a bit of a relaxed uh, um, uh, time. And then there's also going to be a visual connection between the Corlick and there's a little, if you've been to Ireland Park, you'll know there's a little kind of uh, nook in the sculpture that you can walk through, uh, and so there'll be a visual connection to that, so it'll, it'll show that the park is uh, viewed from both sides, it can be entered from both the east and the west uh, as well, so that's a new development for Ireland Park. And then finally, the city's uh, developing a whole uh, outdoor public space kind of in in line with Nathan Phillips Square or Dundas Square. So they're actually working with a French-based company, uh, Moment Factory, who uh, many people would know they do a lot of the projections on the buildings, such as Parliament uh, um, uh, up in, in Ottawa, or particularly Montreal, they do all of the light and all the visual pieces there. So they're a public experiential company, and they're helping the city look at being able to create a new hardscape uh, event space where up to 4,000 people, so music uh, festivals, theatre festivals, projecting onto the rehabilitated grain silos. So a variety of public events can start happening down there. So in, in a kind of a span of, if you take 2007 as the opening of Ireland Park, which was the first uh, real kind of public intervention into Bathurst Key, Aaron Key, which was post-industrial land. I have seen photographs of abandoned boats. Uh, there was uh, industrial ruins all there. And by the time uh, the, the public ground space opens next year or, or Bathurst Key Common, uh, it'll be a vibrant, uh, multi-use, uh, multi-programmable uh, public event space right on the waterfront with Cornick at its, at its heart. And of course, the real benefit and importance to all of this is it puts Ireland Park right in the path of what would be huge footfall. Absolutely. Well, already there are 27,000 people a week go through Billy Bishop Island Airport. Uh, that's uh, just shy of about 3 million people a year go through it. They've also just gotten, um, I don't know if you saw the announcement, they've just gotten pre-clearance uh, for America. So there's the opportunity to be able to fly from Billy Bishop to LaGuardia soon, for example, as someone who goes to New York. It's always, uh, do you pick your hardship going through Pearson or do you pick your hardship going through uh, 
uh, Hoboken. So I'm I'm glad to see that. But that that'll continue to increase foot flow going down there. And um, it's it, the 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 key has always been connected into the Martin Goodman Trail, but I don't think that's really been realised. So uh, one advantage is there'll be significant new wayfaring signage explaining to people where to get to Arna Park, explaining people how to get to the Martin Goodman Trail. So yes, we're just going to see an exponential rise in people using the key and both Arnhem Park and uh, the Corlick are going to go really again. You know, I think that was the great vision of the board and of our chair, Robert, to uh, put the park there and, and to kind of punt to get the building because when 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 those works were happening behind the scenes, they were very much considered a what the hell are you doing? This is a crazy idea to how the hell did you get this? This is an amazing idea. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think that's because of the work that has gone on for many, many people, many city councillors. Uh, the new mayor, um, uh, Olivia Chow, was actually the first councillor to move the motion to get the land for Arnhem Park. We Since then, we had uh, Adam Vaughan, we've had Joe Cressy, Joe Mehevic, and now Osma Malik, all of them incredibly uh, helpful and uh, great uh, public servants in that sense. Uh, and then behind the scenes, a lot of city staff as well. So the city's investing millions of dollars. I, th- I think it's around 20 million uh, between the grain siders and the public realm space. Our building started at 5 million. It's now kind of roughly 12 million. So uh, that's uh, its own fun element. But uh, so there's significant investment going into making this a beautiful jewel box on the waterfront. Uh, yeah, it, it's coming out, I feel, at a great time as well because previously, and if you look at the likes of the Harbourfront Centre uh, and many other of the established uh, cultural spaces on the waterfront. They were built at a time where the city was really trying to ignore the water, that Lake Ontario was an industrial byway that was really thought of as something to be used and beautified. And so the Harbourfront in particular, while it's a great space, is a bunker against the uh, the water. It doesn't actually face it at any point. And so we have the opportunity now with the Corlick and with the Bathurst Key Common to really embrace the waterfront and enjoy it uh, to look at winter activities, to look at summer activities. And when we designed the Corlick, we we always thought about how does it interface with that. So uh, I, I, when I bring people around the building, I show them that we've actually bathroom facilities for 500 people, which is far more than the event space of about 140 people in our space has. But again, that links into the public realm space. And we see the two seamlessly working together. So there's talks of major festivals coming down there. Potentially FIFA might come down there at some point in the future. The Red Path Festival have looked at interest. We work with the Bentway just north of us. So there's lots of non-Irish things that uh, that, uh, that uh, the building can be used for, as well as we're looking at a festival model ourselves based off of the the, uh, the pre-Christian Celtic uh, Harvest Festival. So the Luna Fest Festival, Samhain, Eostra, uh, Bialtana, and all of that, and kind of celebrate those down at the Cornick. And in the wintertime, we'll, we'll go into the building, and then in the summertime, we can expand out and create much more capacity. So I, I think this is the first time the city's really been able to create a, a new space for all its citizenry, citizenry, excuse me, to enjoy, but really kind of to embrace the waterfront as well. So they're a fantastic opportunity. When are, is there a timeline in place when hopefully that the park would be in a position to officially open and that the next phases would bring those connections together? Yeah, so the park will actually move fairly quickly. So it is fully funded and it has been tendered and is ready to go. So uh, they're actually on site at the moment. Uh, they're marshalling as we speak. Uh, so they should be finished by fall next year. So kind of October 2024. So it's a pretty quick turnaround. Uh, again, there's been a lot of work in the background to get there. It's taken about eight years of direct involvement of the city to get to that point. But actually, the turnaround now will be relatively quickly. Uh, we're hoping that some element of the building will be open. Um, we've we've had a kind of a triple headwind of 
uh, cost escalation, as I've, I've uh, said there. Um, supply chains are still very difficult. Uh, for example, the heritage windows are taking seven months to come in. Uh, so to be manufactured and installed. So, but we will have something ready for that fall, and then we will do a graduated open from then, and probably by midsummer 2025, every element of the building will be ready to go. But no, the hope is that in 18 months' time, uh, the public and uh, the members of the Irish community in particular can come down and really start to enjoy both the building and the public realm space. So we're getting there. And you mentioned, of course, that it would be an event space location for all kinds of events and that also you were looking at events for yourself and I know you have two coming up in the not too distant future. Uh, yes, yeah, well we've been trying, uh, separate from the building work as an organisation, we've been trying to really ramp up our programming side of things. We're a big believer if you build it they will come. All of the analytics are showing us that there's a large and vibrant Irish uh, community out there, both uh, new Irish who are still arriving in their thousands as well as uh, many um, and longer term migrants, but also uh, first and second generation Irish Canadians who are keenly interested in uh, those connections uh, between Canada and Ireland. So we've been we've been trying to ramp that up. Uh, we last year we probably did half a dozen events. Now we're going to kind of um, somewhat double that. So uh, n- not as public, but I think it'll be very interesting. Is next week we have Jean Butler, who was the choreographer and uh, original female uh, lead dance for Riverdance. Uh, she's doing an archive work with us, so she will be here for 10 days working with a lot of the uh, traditional Irish dancers and creating for the first time ever a full archive of how Irish dance is performed, perceived and taught in Toronto. And that will be available in perpetuity both here and in the United States. And then we have Claire Sands, who is, uh, I think, a fourth generation musician from Ireland. She's a phenomenal, phenomenal powerhouse uh, uh, of a musician. I I saw her last year. Uh, She plays the fiddle herself. She has a band with her, but she really, I I think, 50-50 melds traditional Irish music, which is absolutely kind of banging contemporary sounds as well so she's a crazy lady but in all of the right ways and great fun so that's happening in the Rivoli on uh, July sorry August excuse me August 17th uh, which will be great fun and then we have the you know needs no introduction Arlo Hanlon coming uh, to play in the Isabel Bader Theatre just at the U of T on September 29th so that's actually the end of his North American tour uh, so the last one before he packs up and goes back to, to Ireland so uh, known um, as Dougal in uh, in Father Ted, but also known to many uh, younger audiences for his work on the BBC, and uh, he's also in Dairy Girls and a couple of other things, and is uh, a, a very funny uh, uh, kind of stand-up comedian in his own right, so really looking forward to that. I saw Dej Bishop was here uh, at the weekend as well, so it's great to see this kind of snowball effect of the more it's going, and, and certainly, again, you know, we spend a lot of time, and the Government of Ireland have been great support in helping us learn that industry and talk to artists and it is phenomenal the amount of them who just don't know how easy it is to come to Canada we're always asked about visas we're like you do not need a visa you just need a letter of introduction so we're starting to see the perception in Ireland from artists understanding that if they're in North America Canada is a viable and uh, enjoyable option for them to come and so we're just going to see that continuing to grow uh, we, we we will most likely have another act in December as well I won't spoil that yet mm-hmm. uh, confirmed but uh, so, yeah, we're, we're starting to really see more and more acts coming to us, asking if they can join. And again, forming part of a North American tour, which, of course, is great for the environment because it means one flight you come over, you then spend three or four months traveling the country, taking in as much as possible and one flight back, as opposed to the old model where it was one flight in, do your, your performance and one flight back again. No one wants to do that anymore. So as much of a touring system as we can get, 
uh, we're working with some wonderful people in Ottawa as well. So hopefully we'll start seeing uh, a bit of creep of people going Toronto, Ottawa. And then what we'd love to see is Toronto, Ottawa, Montreal, possibly Hamilton, possibly other uh, London. There's lots of avenues for that to grow and then even get beyond uh, Ontario and Quebec into uh, Calgary and out to BC as well. So that, that's beginning. The government of Ireland themselves have, um, excuse me, have uh, just signed off on hiring a cultural officer. So we'll see uh, mm-hmm. that beginning to expand. That would be a great resource as well. So I think we're at the beginning of an entire sea change of how Irish artists uh, and uh, uh, come to Canada, enjoy Canada and engage with the, the community is here. So it's kind of uh, watch this space. But but in terms of rubber on the road, Claire Sands and Arnold, their, their tickets are available. It's on CanadaIrelandFoundation.com. Uh, if you go, you'll be able to see that. And please do sign up to our database because we will have lots more going on this year, next year, and hopefully many years to come. And William, you you, you mentioned there, of course, there has there's a whole new Irish generation has been arriving. And as a result, the likes of Claire Sands, who uh, previous generations wouldn't necessarily know who they are. They'd know who Ardell O'Hanlon is. But there is a whole new generation of artists as well that are coming through. So in order to keep the Irish tradition vibrant and alive, of course, it is always important to bring relevant artists to connect to the current generation, because that can be lost if you if you don't do that. Yeah, well, I, I think, you know, there's outside of just the Irish community, there's been a big talk of the declining in kind of communitarianism. So that decline of people's engagement in society. And, and you know, we, we could have a, a discussion about that for days on end. So I think you ultimately the point is you need to go to the audience. You can't expect the audience to go to you any longer. And so I agree. Ireland is, I always say that if you were born kind of, uh, if you were born kind of before uh, 19, kind of 80 or pre-1980, the Ireland was a very different country. I grew up in a prosperous Ireland. I, uh, you know, from really the time I, re- I remember Ireland was doing very successful. The Celtic Tiger was beginning to grow steam. Obviously that collapsed, but then something else has taken its place, which is fantastic. So the, the, the stresses and strains, it's also now a multicultural society. Uh, and it's, you know, it's, it's decoupled its connection from the Catholic Church as strongly. So it is, it's a very different society to the one that my parents' generation would have grown up in, or even my oldest sister, who's in her forties, would have grown up in. And and so those individuals are seeing their Irish identity in a very different and a very new way. And, and actually in many ways very positive because since the Good Friday Agreement, which we just celebrated, people are actually able to enjoy their Irish identity in a way that I think there was a, a, a little bit of a trepidation with for a lot of people. So uh, we see this resurgence of the likes of Claire Sands who are taking traditional Irish songs, particularly like a lot of Dublin songs. And as a Dubliner, I'm great to see, great, delighted to see that. And kind of reinvigorating them, uh, reenjoying them, and uh, and kind of learning that that whole kind of skill set again. So that that's great to see. And and then what I really hope is as we grow, that people begin to trust us as an organization more. So yes, you might not know who Claire Sands is, but I hope that you will begin to understand that we know what we're doing. We spend a lot of time curating what we do. We could we could fill the thing every week if we wanted to, but we would prefer to get the right acts to spend the time to get them over. And so hopefully, if you're of an older generation and you don't know who these new kids on the block are or if you're a younger generation and you don't know you know who these more established artists are that uh, you know you trust Canada Ireland Foundation and that you'll give it a shot and hopefully have a great time and learn something about an artist you didn't hitherto hadn't heard of before well we'll we'll wrap up and we'll share a track from Claire's album uh, and and I think an appropriate one to share under the circumstances is um, keep the flame burning 
And uh, yeah, I had the opportunity to sit down and have a chat with Claire at Folk Alliance International and a wonderful person, a wonderful performer. And, yeah, uh, she's this, great. She? She's yeah. Uh, such a warm, inviting personality. And I'm sure, again, after the, the event in the Rivoli, she will hang around and I would uh, advise anyone who's there to go up and talk to her. She's great fun. Uh, good crack, as we say. And, uh, That's right. Uh, and, and both on stage and off. Uh, she doesn't. There's no kind of switch off in this very quiet, shy personality. She's as much energy off stage as she is on stage. <laughs> well, Pete, it's been a real pleasure reconnecting. Pleasure is always awesome. Thank you so much.